This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. And so the question I have is from Bex, and it is, when you first gave up drinking, how did you get over your cravings and or triggers? And this is a great question, and it's really complex, so I'm going to do my best to break it down into steps. And I say it's complex not because of the emotions. The emotions are fairly straightforward. We want something. We're not allowing ourselves to have it, and it creates a lot of angst. Um, Complex because of what's happening in our brains kind of behind the craving and behind the trigger. So cravings and triggers. Um, Craving, I think, can be broken down into three different parts, and there's the physical craving, and withdrawal symptoms. There's the psychological aspect, and then there's the trigger aspect. And the trigger is really physical, and I'll get into exactly why that is. But um, the physical craving, of course, if you've been drinking alcohol for a really long time and your brain and body have changed to the point where you've become physically dependent on alcohol, to the point where if you stop drinking immediately, you could go into some sort of delirium tremens or withdrawals or need to be hospitalized, um, need to seek medical advice. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is the physical discomfort that happens when you quit drinking because your body is detoxing. And um, more than that, the psychological discomfort that happens because you believe that you're giving up something that you like and that you enjoy. And so if we talk about physical, for me personally, it was took about 30 days to get it all kind of out of my system and over. And that was when I stopped drinking full stop. And it was headaches, anxieties, kind of weird nightmares that I'd pick up a drink again or I'd be halfway through a beer and freak out and then wake up and be like, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, that's good. You know, so so some of those sort of weird things. Um, the first 10 days were probably the most intense with just, you know, the just you know, wanting, craving alcohol. But the physical part... Um, when I finally stopped drinking for good was I looked at it as if it was symptoms to healing a disease. And so, yes, I was willing to be sick for a month physically. I was willing to have these headaches, have this anxiety, deal with this stuff in order to heal myself from um, this, you know, psychological dependence I had for alcohol and, and a growing physical dependence. So with that perspective, it became much easier. Now, I will tell you, Earlier attempts to stop drinking before I had that entire perspective. Hi, Lee. Thank you so much. Um, before I had that entire perspective, were not as successful. And I think that gets to the psychological part. And the psychological craving, there's a lot going on here. Uh, studies done say that the only true way to reduce cravings is to eliminate access. And so these were some studies done in some universities in the United States. And basically, if they take, for instance, a heroin addict and they go to prison, in some instances, these heroin addicts no longer have access to heroin and they will not have necessarily as many physical withdrawals as you would have expected. Whereas even years after being in prison, they could come back out, they could have access again, go back to their old haunts, and scientists have observed them having really intense physical withdrawals even years after using it. So the physical and the psychological is really intertwined. And a lot of my work in my book is based on Dr. John Sarno and his opinion that actually there's this deep underlying unconscious 
stuff happening that we need to address. Because if we don't address this unconscious stuff, we're not going to actually be able to deal with our um, cravings. And it looks like I have a weak connection. That's what it's telling me. So if I drop, I will come back on. Um, but the physical and the psychological become really intertwined. And so when I stop drinking for good, my psychological want, need, desire for alcohol had been eliminated. I had eliminated it through what I call liminal thinking. And I'll get into how I had done that. So when I stopped drinking, I didn't have psychological cravings. So it wasn't ever that I was pining for a drink or I wanted a drink. And I know that's hard to believe. But what I did is for the year before I really truly stopped these fits and starts, I had been doing a lot of journaling. And when I would say, okay, I'm not going to drink tonight for whatever reason. I'm going to give myself a night off to see how it goes. And I would feel that craving, that urge, that want. And I would sit in it. And I'd let myself drink on occasion because I was really just trying to learn about what was happening. Why did I want something that I didn't necessarily want anymore? Like what was going on? And so I'd sit there and I'd go really deep into it. Okay, what is this? And sometimes it would be that I felt like I was missing out because I was with a group of friends. Other times it would be that I had a really hard day and the reward, like I just didn't reward myself. And so I couldn't make that transition from, oh, I really put in a hard day to, oh, now I'm relaxing at home. Um, other times I would just feel like I was depriving myself of something that I thought was gonna make the evening more fun. And so because I had that perspective, I would have less fun. So every single time I try to go really deep into it. And I think this would be my best advice is say, why exactly do I want to drink right now? And so a lot of times we say, okay, craving, just ignore it, just get through it, just, just, you know, put it aside. But I would do the opposite, you know, and even if you decide I'm going to go deep into it and then I'm going to give into it, but I'm going to use this as a learning experience, journal, write down, what is it about this drink that I think is going to make this moment better? What is it? Is it the relaxation? Is it the um, you know perceived relaxation, I should say? Is it that I think I'm going to have more fun? Uh, what is it about this moment that might make it better? And then ask yourself, is it true? And I've written a bunch of blog posts there on my website, thisnakedmind.com backslash blog. Search for liminal. And I go through all nine reasons. Well, it's more than nine, but all nine categories of reasons that I gave for drinking. Um, and everything from made sex life better to relax after a hard day. And each one of those, I go through the thought process of, okay, what is it and is it true? And I'll give you a really quick example. Uh, relaxation. So I was convinced that I needed alcohol to relax. And so I said, okay, I believe that this is true. And not only did I believe it consciously, but I believed it unconsciously. I believed kind of deep inside me, like I believe the sky is blue. Like it wasn't something I could argue myself out of very easily. That alcohol was key to relaxing. And so when I actually would say, okay, is that true? Is that rational? And I did research on this. And what I found, I found this great study where they took mice, and mice apparently have a huge similarity to humans in terms of DNA, 98% or something. So they're actually really good test subjects, surprisingly. I was surprised. Um, and they took mice. Half of them they didn't give any alcohol to, 30 days. Half of them they gave alcohol for 30 days, just what a normal sort of mouse would be drinking. And at the end of 30 days, they put these mice through a obstacle course with stressors and they measured how well these mice dealt with stress 
and the mice who had been drinking were unable to deal with the stress as well as the mice who had not. So it was very quickly apparent that yes, although my brain is being tricked into slowing down because of what's happening, the alcohol is affecting the GABA receptor and the glutamate receptor, and you know it's, it's slowing down your thought process. It's slowing down your ability to receive information from your senses. And that's really what alcohol does at, at its crux. That feels like relaxation. But when I really got it that actually that's making my ability to deal with stress worse, which is, yes, maybe I'll feel relaxed for that, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes when the alcohol does that feeling. And then, by the way, you get a tolerance. And what tolerance is, it's like an immunity. And that tolerance comes in and suddenly you're not feeling that relaxation to the extent you were. So, so I was trading 20 or 30 minutes for um, this perceived feeling of relaxation for a uh, daily life of, you know, not actually being able to relax. And so when that became really clear and really apparent in my mind, it was like, oh, okay, this isn't relaxing me. This isn't actually helping me. So what I would do for cravings is I would go deep into every single craving in that way. Keep a list of every reason you drink, because if you can deal with the psychological cravings, you have a really positive impact on the physical cravings. And then when you're finally ready to give it up, the physical time, be gentle with yourself. When you're finally ready to give it up, the physical is like, okay, I'm going to be sick for like 10 days. Like, I'm not going to feel great, but guess what? I'm going to have my whole life in front of me to feel great. So it's going to be worth it. And when you're approaching it like that and making that kind of decision, um, you get really, you know, the, the psychological cravings, you know, they kind of go away. And then I'll talk really quickly about triggers. Um, Triggers are really interesting because they're times of day, they're people, they're things, they're seeing a wine bottle or an opener or driving by your favorite bar. And triggers are very similar to what happened with Pavlov's dogs. Basically, the dogs were fed and then there was a bell ring when they were fed and they would salivate, start to salivate when they heard the bell. And dopamine would respond in their brains and the dopamine backed up to the bell. So all of a sudden, they weren't getting the dopamine release when they were being fed the pleasurable activity. They were getting the dopamine release when the bell would ring. That's exactly what's happening to us with drinking. So if you notice, you start to feel better when you pull the wine bottle out of the fridge and when you get the glass off the shelf. You start to feel better when you turn into the parking lot of the liquor store. It's not that you necessarily feel all that much better when you take your, you know, 10th sip of wine. It's that when you take that first sip, ah, because it's not the wine that's making you feel better, it's that dopamine and then you're relieving that dopamine release. So all sorts of things trigger this dopamine from a friend you used to drink with to, um, you know, seeing some really nice wine bottles on the table and these things trigger that dopamine and the thing about the dogs is if that dopamine went off that bell was rang and they didn't get the food oh they were pissed i mean it is not a good feeling so if you get that trigger and you're not going to give into it ooh, that is a horrible feeling you get like mm. it's like really i mean everybody knows what i'm talking about if you've had a trigger it's it's mm, it sucks and um i'd say it sucks just got to call a spade a spade. It sucks. And over the first year of your living without alcohol, you'll deal with triggers. It's two really good things. Number one, knowing what's happening in your brain makes it suck less. You're naming it and it's known and it makes you feel better. Number two, um, 
every time, like you see those wine bottles, you have that trigger, it's really intense. You deal with it, it's not as intense the next time. So these things are real. It's a really good question. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.